Hi, my name is Cesar Cavazos and welcome to Friction Log. I am joined by my co-host Rick Blaylock and we are here to bring you the best insights of UX, developer experience and how we experiment with the extraction of joy, struggles and other emotions when using technologies. Let's get started. Cesar, happy episode 10. One zero. <laughs> We're officially on episode 10. So exciting. <laughs> we just need to build another website or app now to get yeah, the I next 10 episodes. <laughs> we're running out of uh, content. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's plenty to be made. <laughs> yeah, but they have I like to how, have a purpose. <laughs> I li- yeah, I like how I'm looking at our Notion doc and it says episode 10 Nova. <laughs> It sounds very, like, new. <laughs> yeah. Nova. Welcome to the Nova episode. And it's Apple season, so we're getting new Apple events every month for now. We just have to make the, with iPads and Apple Watches and the new iPhone. What did, did you, you get? get new, oh. Did you get any new? What did you get? <laughs> I, I actually ended up buying the Apple Watch 6. And I use the little thing like you print, uh, you print the little measuring tool that Apple gives you mm-hmm. and you have to like make sure that it, it like they has a little rectangle where you put your credit card and you know, it's at the right scale, but I did it with the first, uh, version of it because apparently they updated it with, with some instructions. So by the time I order it, I made the mistake of ordering too big so by the time it came in it was all loosey and it's this is the new what do they call it like solo braided loops okay uh, new right. Bands, right? Yep. so they they don't yep. really adjust anything they don't give her like anything so i ended up switching it and then while i was waiting i was like ah, i probably got it wrong and then i started looking like people were saying that at the beginning, you have to return the watch and the band, and then you will get the new one, and which I think was lame because they came in separate boxes, but that's what <laughs> it was. And then I read some news like, oh, Apple is now only asking you to return the band. And I was like, yeah, that sounds more like the experience that I would expect. So right. it came in. It was all loose. Obviously, the blood oxygen and all of that didn't work because it was too loose, and I didn't really like it. And I ended up sending it back and then waiting for like 12 days, I think, for the new one to come in, which came all the way from China, which means that they they don't have anything in stock. Um, just talking about the vans, which I think it's surprising. Mm. So I got the new one, I think, yesterday, and I tried it out and it worked and everything seems to be fine. So my blue watch is blue on the watch side and on the band side, and I'm happy with it. As I said, I had the three, so this is like like two or three generations more. Like now I get fall detection, which I haven't fallen so far. Because <laughs> <laughs> happens all the time. Yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah. glad. <laughs> Can I get notifications when you fall? 
<laughs> emergency calls. Um, yeah, you, so- <laughs> you're in California. I'm in Florida. I'd love to get a, a call. Hey, Cesar fell in California. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> you want to send them a memoji or something? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to send some meme or something. <laughs> so far, I think it's a good reminder of how long I should take to wash my hands. <laughs> so that little countdown has also been a change for me. And mm, I don't even funny. like. I tried the blood oxygen thing. Maybe I have used it twice. And it does like one or two readings throughout the day. And like other than that, it doesn't really tell me anything. But I like it. And yeah, right. I stopped the Wi-Fi only. This is cellular. So I go out on a run. And that like it tracks my exercise correctly. So I'm quite happy. It's what I was expecting. It's nothing like, oh my God, this new thing. That it's totally mm-hmm. different, but it's so far so good. I like it. And I'm mm-hmm. also waiting for an iPhone 12 because I couldn't decide if I was going to get the Max, which I think was huge, but the new cameras, which is probably the main reason of an upgrade this year. And then I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to hate it the moment that the moment that I start traveling with it, it's going to be too big. And yeah. I decided to go for the regular 12 Pro. But by the time I order it, it was already back order. So I should be getting it by November 9, I think. Nice. But what about you? Did you get uh, one on day one? Yeah, I got the iPhone 12. I got the blue one. I didn't get the Pro. Um, I had the Pro last time. I didn't get it this time. Like, mainly because I didn't I don't need it, per se. Like, I never use an optical zoom on my phone. And then I, I thought I liked the blue I think I still like it. I don't know. I, I'm looking at it right now. I like it. I, I don't like all the fingerprint smudges. It's way more fingerprinty than the Pro, the 11 Pro. Because of the plastic that, as opposed to the yeah. to the brush metal or whatever? Yeah, it's it just shows the fingerprints way more is the problem. I like huh. the, um, the more squared off look, though. It reminds me of the iPhone 4, which was my favorite phone that they made, so... Yeah, it's it's cool. It's a little lighter than the Pro that I had before. So initially I thought, oh, it feels cheap, but actually I kind of like it now that it, you know, I've been using it for a week. Less than a week actually. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cuz I I got the Pro mainly because of the metal finish, which like mm, I tend yeah. to prefer. For right. work, I have an I think it's an 10R. That's what, like I always call it XR, but I think it's the official name is 10R and I got the product red and I do see all the fingerprints because it's it's kind of like the mm-hmm. 11 and kind of like the 12 non-pro which has the right. plastic and yeah it has a lot more fingerprints on it than the pros but interesting okay well yeah let me know how you like it yeah I'll, I'll let you know it was interesting I was using it uh, so we we had a hackathon over the weekend so I was distracted. This came in while during the hackathon and I was like, Oh, I want to set up my phone, but I need to do this hackathon thing. So I was distracted the whole time setting it up while I was trying to compete. (laughs) But I think we want to do a live stream kind of review of the hackathon piece that we did that Matt Congrove and I did. I think that'll be a fun episode. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, Sounds like a, like a good idea, yeah. 
Yeah, we used all sorts of stuff. It was like a smorgasbord. Actually, one of the organizers said the feature list that or the tech stack list reads like a wish list, a Christmas wish list of all the things I've been wanting to try. That's <laughs> what she said. I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. But yeah, we used like Tailwind and XGS and Vercel and roomservice.dev and daily.co and use all sorts of stuff. It was kind of crazy. Oh, and Mapbox. I had never used Mapbox before and I wanted to use that. So yeah. Mapbox? Is that like Google Maps uh, SDK or something like that? Yeah, except it's Mapbox. It's its own thing and it's it's actually pretty it's beautiful, really. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll have it soon. Let me gather some questions and we can have you and Matt talk about it and talk about the experience of using those tools under pressure, which changes Mm -hmm. a little bit the kind of experiments that we do offline. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. This episode is brought to you by Pinpoint. Build more, be more. The collaborative workspace where developers go to get work done. Pinpoint brings together all the information from the fragmented tools used to build software into a single view with more context and prioritizes work. The result happier and more productive engineers. Sign up for free at pinpoint.com. Our thanks to Pinpoint for sponsoring our show. Great, great, great. And as the time of what we are recording, today was Next.js Conf. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Oh, man. Did you watch it? I did in between, like, I had work stuff to do and I was in between meetings, so I did watch the, the keynote I watched a couple of the sessions around some image optimization, and I saw a couple of the sponsors. I guess that they were presenting their their tools, and yeah, it was it was nice. If I like, I have been attending virtual events this year, just like everybody else, and it's on the top line. Like uh, it's on the mm-hmm. top, right along with uh, Red Hat. Red Hat also does very good virtual experiences. It was scale pretty good and talking about the web technology and talking about like what they're selling. I think it, it really live up to the expectation of it. What do you think about it? Oh man, I thought it was awesome. The The keynote was really well done. It was kind of low key. It wasn't this crazy, like, you know, confetti and a Steve Ballmer running out developers, 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 you know, it was, it was super <laughs> chill. <laughs> it was chill. It was professional. I liked the whole, you know, Yermo, when he was kind of walking towards the door to walk into the the other room and stuff, I, I don't know. It's just like it had a nice pacing. It was cool. It it didn't you didn't get bored, I guess, during the keynote. So that was that was a really good touch. You could tell they had some coaching on some of it because every single one of them were using hand gestures certain ways. And in fact, somebody on Twitter uh, retweeted. Yermo using his finger, you know, putting his hands together, and <laughs> right next to it was Tim Cook doing the same thing. And it's and the the caption was, "Did the Apple coaches help Next.js?" That's <laughs> <was> really funny. <laughs> so kind of like, thank you for attending and stay safe from Tim Cook. It was, yeah, I, I think I saw that image. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah, really I mean, overall, like well prepared. It was short. It was the keynote was thirty minutes. 
which mm-hmm. I think it was the right time. Like sometimes I feel like these yeah. conferences, they have to like, how come the keynote is going to be shorter than some of the sessions? And they just <laughs> go with that in and it usually it's a filler or like things like that. So right. I did think that it was good that it was short. The, obviously the attention that you can pay online, especially like even if you, I didn't have the day off work to watch it, but if you do, even with that, I mean, how long can you go with paying full attention of what's going on? Like 50 minutes maybe without any distractions right. or anything like that. Right. So I think the 30 minutes was a good call. And the overall conference was like, what, six hours, seven hours yeah, it maybe? Just, it was just a day, not even a full day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we got a bunch of new updates on the platform. So I guess we will be doing a friction log on version 10 of Next.js soon. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of cool stuff. I love it. Yep. Yep. I yep. Love it. I love it. What else? Right. What do you like? Do you like any of the, any of the e-commerce? Yeah, it looked cool, but it kind of makes sense for them, I think, to focus on that. It makes it like with the static site generation and rendering and all that stuff. I, I can see why the e-commerce world would love Next.js. It makes a lot of sense. So it's it's cool that they emphasize that and they're putting an emphasis there. The analytics stuff is great. I think it's going to encourage people to focus on the right types of performance. And in fact, the, the guy that runs, um, what's it called? Code Sandbox. He said, oh, he, he posted a picture of their performance scores and they're like, oh, we were measuring the wrong things. So that's, that's always great, you know, when, when you have a tool that surfaces like, hey, this is actually important. You know, measuring the right things is important. So that, that's really <laughs> exciting. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree because it was hard to pitch Next.js to like other developer friends as more than just like, you could build anything, right? We had an episode where we where we went and we use it for a blog, but that's kind of like the main use case of Next.js, or it was the main use case, like either your landing page or your main website, a blog, some of those things, and maybe product pages, but not really treated as an e-commerce platform. And with this, it does like really take it to another level, not precisely all the use cases that... Uh, other companies, startups, or enterprises might might use it, but I like the fact that they they pick one and they're like, "This is our pitch for this year for this conference," and it's analytics for everybody and it's e-commerce for people that are selling stuff. I like that. Yep, yep, I agree. Very cool, awesome. So that leads us to our friction log. Nova ID. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Episode 10. <laughs> so Nova, this will be interesting. So I've, you know, I followed Panic for a long time. And for those who don't know, Panic, who makes Coda, who makes Transmit. They make a couple games too. They make that, uh, that survival game. I can't remember what the name of that's called. Drawn a blank. Anyway. UX Laws. Hey, Cesar. What's the Pareto principle? The Pareto principle in UX design, it says that for many events, roughly 80% of the effects come from 20% of the causes. What does that mean, you may ask? That means like even your effort, like when you're planning your day, you can do the 20% that it is going to give you 80% of the expected output from you which if you turn it around 
80% of that effort only produces 20%. So it's that balance of like, what should I do or what should a technology or tool does that will give me the better experience or the most outcome out of it. And this is not specific to UX. It is used on UX laws because it has uh, a very abstract principle, but it's first used by Bilfredo Pareto, which was an economist that noticed that 80% of Italy's land was owned by 20% of the population. So that that principle appears in different things like economics, like effort, like tools, uh, technology tools, and some of the experiences that we get on UX. Salespeople, same way, they're yeah, twenty percent of their accounts account for eighty percent of all the revenue. <laughs> yep. All right, thanks, SR. That was very interesting. So they came up with a new editor called Nova, and they, which is kind of interesting that they're moving away from Coda to create this new brand, um, Nova. So. Cesar, he did a, a friction log on it. And so that's what we're going to cover um, now. And so Cesar, we always start with the persona. The persona is you. Um, you anything you want to touch on as far as bef- before you got into Nova and, you know, prep familiarity with what's what's going on? What, what's what's the persona? What's your persona, Cesar? My my actor, the logger, as we call it sometimes. So for Nova, I took it from like, okay, I'm a developer. I use either text editors or IDE, and I have been doing it for my whole professional career, even when I was in school, which means that I have gone through all the popular and major ones going from my beginnings in Java. And then I did a little a little of Visual Studio because I was doing .NET at some point. And then uh, Sublime, VBEdit, I also use it. Most recently, I even used Atom, which I never like. And I knew a lot mm-hmm. of people like it. But to me, I right. always stay with Sublime Text 2 and 3 and then jump into Visual Studio Code, so BS Code, and Xcode for iOS development. I had my deals with like things like Eclipse and all the variations of Eclipse that were out there. Ew. So different companies, different projects that were using <laughs> that. Never liked it, but so I have fairly good experience on IDEs and code editors. And as like any, they they all get the job done. And if you spend enough time right. on them, you will like you will get used to it that you're gonna find things that you like about them. So the persona was somebody that went through all that thing that has been using BS code for um the last I would say like three, four years maybe since it was out. I switched right away. And mm-hmm. on the side I was using Xcode for any iOS related projects like Swift projects. So I had a couple of things that I wanted to try it out. And I probably read, I would say, like 25 minutes to 35 minutes the website to so to see some of the features that, that it had. Right. So you like checked out the extensions and all that kind of stuff, right? 
Yeah, a little bit about what was the value proposition, some of the tools, which I still don't understand, but I've read about them. <laughs> the extensions, it has been increasing the extension library. It's very small, like compared to any other IDE, it's still very small. But then again, we're talking about something that was announced, I want to say a month and a half ago, which I'm surprised that they have a view extension, but not a React extension. So that, that seemed what? Su- surprising. <laughs> what? How is that possible? <laughs> ah, they are third parties. So I guess the Vue developers were more excited than the React developers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a really interesting cross-section. That would be a really interesting, like, psych analysis. Why are Vue's... Why do Vue developers build an extension for this, but not React developers? Wow. Fascinating. It's a matter of time, right? Maybe by the time we publish this, there's already a React extension. Other than that, Panic, I also know the company. I use their iOS prompt app for SSH client, which I really like. and, And I use it all the time for doing small things. Like when I have to connect to some remote machines, I have played one of the games. It's called Untitled Goose Game, which is amazing. Like you should try it. It's... It's, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just, uh, you're, you're a horrible goose and you go and you mess with people. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, okay. I never use transmit. I, I use, I guess, Fizezilla. That was, that was the thing that I, that I use, but I know panic and I'm happy to support companies that are building those kind of apps because I think they, they really pay attention to what they're doing. That's the persona, the logger. Got it. Cool. So, I mean, you kind of mentioned at a high level what you were trying to do, but specifically, were you trying to run the friction log website or some other personal project? Like, what were you trying to run in this experiment? So, to me, I took the approach of like, I want to run the friction log website because that mm-hmm. implies checking out their Git functionality, right? So, checking out the mm-hmm. code, making sure that it runs configure it to to run the npm run dev i gotta say i knew the expectation the bar that i was setting is like this is this is something new like i remember bs code when it was new it was still had some deficit compared to sublime text which which was more established so i check out the friction log website i also had to build a bunch of markdown documents and i saw that there was an extension or that they actually do out of format of Markdown. So I I wrote I wrote a bunch of Markdown, which was interesting. And then I also started a new project and kind of like start from scratch and then and then just work a little bit on it. So a little Next.js site. I didn't use I used the Dockerfile extension. I use the Prettier extension, the Tailwind CSS extension, and for a little bit of like sample uh, text, I use there is a Lorem Ipsum extension that just generates that. So <laughs> of course, I use that. Isn't there, there's always a Lorem Ipsum extension. <laughs> okay, all right, that makes sense. So were you able to run that Next.js app and and do what you wanted to do? Yeah. So overall, I mean, I was able to do. Pretty much everything. So if, because it's episode 10 and we want to do something different, the one blocker that I have is that the application crashed on me 
I want to say several times. So I am running in a separate hard disk, a new macOS Big Sur, and it crashed there. And I was like, you know what? Let me try it on on just my regular Catalina stuff. And it, it also crashed like a few times. So that is the, the one blocker that I have, which I send the feedback back and hopefully they fix it sometime in the next update. I think they updated to 1.2. Mm-hmm. But overall, I was able to do everything. Some parts were a little bit more, I don't want to say painful, but with more friction. And some right. parts were like, oh, this is really nice to work on this, which is something refreshing. I, I didn't think I was tired of the VS Code extension until I was looking at something else. Hmm. Okay. Cool. All right. So what about we always... I mean, well, you just mentioned a blocker, but then we usually <laughs> start with delights. So that's good. So you, you got a bunch of delights here. Actually, it might be the most delights we've ever marked in a in a friction log. You must have been in a positive mood when you were doing this. Talk to me about some of this. What like what are some of the highlights? We don't have to go through every single delight, but what are some of the the high level things that made this experience good? So I was in a good mood and. I was also excited to see such a beautiful app. So overall, and I think this this is covering a few delights, but overall, it's very macOS thing. So I have been re- doing some research and studying about like the whole interface of macOS and how it has evolved to what we're going to get with Big Sur and some of the things some of the shortcuts on the keyboard, some of the things that make macOS macOS. And Mm -hmm. this app is really built by somebody that knows all of that, knows way more than I do on the macOS interface, and they just made it work. And talking about how pretty it is, it's like somebody grabbed the utility, the nice parts of VS Code, and they also grabbed the good UI of uh, Xcode and they merge them together. And it's like, how do we bring like this VS Code super fast and, and, and useful UI, but also add something that looks like Xcode, but it's not really Xcode. I don't know. Just it was to me, that was like the first two, three minutes that I really liked the UI. And I like themes overall. I like the fact that I was able to, for my delight, change the font to the JetBrains uh, Mono. For your yeah. delight, to change the line heights right away. So, gotta so, have that. Yeah, you gotta have those two things. So to me, it was like, okay, this is not that bad. Like I was expecting a little bit lower, just because again, it was it was a new app and building an IDE. You don't see that every day. Right, right. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, if if it doesn't have custom fonts and line height settings, then that an editor is dead to me. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you can't adjust the line height, forget about it. I did check that. The settings are fairly complex, which, again, is very standard of macOS uh, editors. It's a little bit standard of, of how they look like, the preference window. So that was that was really easy for me to spot on. Where Visual Studio Code, as the settings have been evolved right now, it's fine. But at the beginning, <sighs> it was kind of like hard, like separating some of the global preferences from the project preferences. And well, and uh, the amount of settings. 
oh my word. It's, yeah, you feel like, like you're missing something, right? And here you you can see everything because it's very graphic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like I just opened up VS Code to look at all the settings and I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling. Like there's there's no way you can ever keep up with the settings. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so you just going through that the, I'm trying to take you through through that experience that was like okay so I was able to check out the friction log website and then my next delight was like oh they have a built-in preview which I am 80% positive that it is using uh, WebKit so it's not using like Chromium as the web uh, the web browser embedded into mm-hmm. the preview but it does right. allow you to see the the debugging tools. I actually have a friction around like I don't know which which browser this is on and browsers yeah. are always a thing. But <laughs> but supporting browsers, I guess. So but I I like that idea. It has its own terminal which pick up all my all my zsh or I don't know how to like how it's yeah, shell yeah. shell mm-hmm. I guess. So Did you have all to my, did you have to tell him to read from that or did it just know? I knew. So it was all mm, good. That's good. And it, yeah. it just had everything in there for my local terminal. They have a concept of a remote terminal, which will get in the frictions that I don't really understand uh, because I don't usually, like I have a terminal, I don't differentiate between local and remote. And I thought that was an interesting take. So maybe I'm not the uh, end user that they're looking for and that, that experience. So I was up, I did an NPM install or a Jarn install, Jarn dev, I guess. And once that was all up and running, I was like, okay, so now let's look at like how the ID runs the code. Like how can I run it? And they have this interesting concept of tasks, which at the beginning I was like, oh, I got to learn this, which I can't consider it as a friction, but they opened the screen and it was like really simple to say, oh, I just want, it, want you to do this NPM run dev. And mm-hmm. they have like a build and run and also a deploy task that you can have. And these are kind of like default buckets that you can customize. Mm-hmm. So the flexibility of it was kind of nice. And then one that, once that was done, I was able to just hit the play button and it will compile my developer instance and it will open the preview, which I really like. Like this is more like an IDE experience than a code editor experience where you do mm-hmm. more things manually. So I like that. Right. And I think my last call out, Tailwind CSS. So there was extension for that that already developed. And again, it's third party and there are very few extensions. So I was excited to see one that I was going to use right away. And that it was exactly like code related. So uh, let me see. I like that. I think that those were the delights overall of my experiment. Got it. So you said in your experiment, you did a lot of markdown writing. I, I assume that was for the blog. I don't know. But you said you mentioned you did that. And then there's a couple friction things about markdown that you wrote down. So because you use it a lot, you know, a lot of times when you use something a lot, you're going to find more frictions in the thing that you used a little bit. So what what's the friction there around the markdown stuff? So I really like the out of format 
of it. And I don't think, like, I'm not 100% sure if it was the editor doing it or it was the prettier extension default that I installed. But somebody mm. was making sure that I didn't have extra blank lines and I really liked that. But then I got a friction right away because, like, I wanted to preview it. And like any other Markdown editor that we have talked about, Visual Studio Code included, have a preview functionality where you can see how the Markdown is going to render. Well, Nova doesn't have one. So I guess it's coming at some point in the future. Mm, they know they will need it. But I thought yeah. it was like, oh, okay, so Markdown seems to be pretty standard for any developer project that you may have. Even if it's like legacy technology, it's probably storing GitHub and it has a Markdown <laughs> file there. The fact that there was no preview was a friction to me. Not a blocker, because I can, like, there are many ways to preview it. And I think there right. was an extension to open it in another app, which I didn't try. But I thought it was, I would expect it to be something that comes built in with the, with the IDE in this case. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have Markdown support, then you would assume there'd be a preview. That's the nice thing with that that one extension on VS Code. You just hit Shift Command P and then type Preview and then hit Enter and boom, there's a Markdown preview and it changes as you edit stuff. Yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was it. And and touching that that point, like somebody can build an extension for it, and that might be the end of it. But I guess the other friction, and this is the one that I will, if you really cannot stand the fact that there are not a lot of extensions and you're using a specific libraries or a specific things on each of the languages, like there is no React extension, at least not not like right there. It Man, has some support. That's but, crazy. <laughs> but that limited extension library it's really going to bite you. If you're trying to go full in and you're used to having all these extensions on on VS Code, then it's really going to bite you and you're going to say like, ah, this is not good. But I hope that that the whole community contributes enough to just really keep in pushing forward because I think that's also one of the things that they are really going to need. There is no way Panic as a company can and really built every the whole ecosystem that BS code now has. And that now it's like integrating things like GitHub code spaces and things like that, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean there's a it's a big mountain to climb because of that stuff. Do you think do you think there will be a big plugin community around this? I mean I it's, hope it's so. not an open it's not an open source <laughs> editor. So that has there's nothing wrong with that, but yeah, you know, that that can inhibit people from wanting to make extensions and stuff, you know. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is thirty days free trial, and then you gotta pay. And they have the concept of like you pay a hundred bucks, and then you can do like a yearly renewal of like fifty bucks, and that includes all the upgrades. Otherwise, you, if you want to pay just once, you can do that, but you stay kind of mm -hmm. like in the mayor version. Like if I pay today. And I don't want to renew every year or give, like, pay 50 bucks every year. Then I'll keep uh, version one with all the updates. And once they release version two, then it's going to be out there. So I hope so. I think there is not a, like, compared to what the current ecosystem works with mm -hmm. VS Code, I, I see it that it is going to be hard for them to really have a big library. I hope that they can get the basic ones done and done right. Right, right. Hmm. Okay. 
Let's see what else. I'm looking at your friction logs here. Um, so you, you mentioned, bit, yeah, you go. mentioned this one's interesting to me because it kind of goes along with the preview. You mentioned the built-in browser is a friction. Yeah, that's the thing that I didn't know if it was Chromium or WebKit. So yeah, once okay. I saw that they had a built-in browser and that I could do my running task and it was working with all the hot reload of uh, Next.js and it was all good. But then I was like, am I, like, I usually run, uh, like when I'm doing VS Code, I usually test on both Safari and a Chromium-based browser. Which, mm-hmm. contrary to popular opinion, I use the new Microsoft uh, Edge browser as opposed to Chrome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I like it very much. Give me a heart attack. Well, okay. So, so hold on. So, with this built-in browser thing, what, what's the point of it? Because you're if you're doing front-end dev and you know, you need now, I don't know about your little Microsoft browser thing that you're talking about. <laughs> but with Chrome, <laughs> you have dev tools and they're really important. You know, so like, why would you need an in browser thing? I, I just, it's just curious to me why they would focus on that when, if you're a front end dev and you don't have dev tools, you know, the browser dev tools that come with Chrome, for example, like why, well, why, yeah. why, what's the point? You have dev tools within that browser, which I think it's like a Safari web tools, which is nothing close to what you see on Chrome or Edge. And the Edge that I use is based on Chromium. So basically, you can even install Chrome extensions into Edge. So I, I like that it is faster and it doesn't consume all my battery as opposed to Chrome. (laughs) <laughs> um, but, right but i have like all the react extensions and i like i it's pretty much like using chrome just with a different icon and square edges as opposed to mm-hmm. rounded uh tabs that's <laughs> that's the that's the thing but right. why they have one i don't know i think it was nice for me to have like i have a big monitor so i was able to within one window i was able to see everything and mm. but it's not like a deal breaker if they don't have it because I can just put it side by side and and like do some of that. So it, it it's strange to have a preview. And also the the next friction was related to some preview code files. So you could have the web server running with the hot reload, and then you are focused on a file. And then you can put a setting where when you try to see the preview of that file it will know like what is the path on the browser. So it will respect the routing of, in this case, Next.js. The one thing that I didn't do is it didn't strip the extension of the file. So let's say that I was doing localhost port 3000 slash logs, which is the the index of all the logs in frictionlog.com. And it will put like logs slash index.js. So I was not able to manipulate that, which to me, that seems like, okay, somebody built this. Yeah, somebody built this for like HTML files, maybe. Right. Uh, So I think it was a very smart thing to do. The fact that you can be focused on a file and you can just hit the, I can't remember the shortcut that it was, but hit the preview shortcut or button and it will 
op, like open the browser or refresh the browser on that particular file, but then it was good for HTML. It wasn't good for what I was hoping for, which was the mm. stripping the extension on the file. So it was a friction. I, I did submit some feedback related to that because I think it right. would be nice, but yeah, it, it did happen. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I want to get to like, who, who do you think this is for? Because this is a perfect example of why I want to ask that question. But before we get there, is there any other frictions or any, you've got a bunch of other things in here, but is there anything else that stands out as just a absolute friction that we have to talk about? Before we get um, to the next part. I can talk about the wish. I wish that it will recognize that it is a JavaScript-based application and that it has package.json and uh, that it right. will bring the tasks there. So that's more like a feature request. Like, hey, you have all the information there. Everybody else is doing it. Why don't you just suggest like tasks auto-generated based on, on some of the package.json information that you have already? Uh, so... That's one thing. And the other one that I will mention is that I missed from VS Code was in VS Code, I have my default like set of spaces or tabs and the number of spaces that, that they take, right? Either two or four. But I contribute to different projects and I work in right. different things and I have to have different settings. And we can turn this episode around tabs versus spaces and how many <laughs> and whatnot. But we're not going to go there because this is episode 10 and we want to make it nice. <laughs> right. So, Because everybody knows tabs are better anyway. So there's no sense of talking about it. Or spaces. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so in VS Code, I have a global one, which is my default and I like. And then every project that I contribute, it has its own or I add uh, the specific one for that and I'm good. Well, with the Nova, you cannot have... Uh, on a per project. So you can configure it at oh, an IDA thing, but not a per project thing, which was um, interesting that, to say the list. Again, it seems like a major oversight to me. I, yeah. Man, wow. It was a I mean, friction. Early days, early days, but yeah, I can definitely see that being a friction. Oof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But going back to your question, who is this for? What use case is this for? Yeah, uh, I do want to I do want to get down to that because I'm I'm personally struggling to understand who it's for, like the persona. It, and I have my opinions on why cuz I tried it for about an hour last night, but you're the logger. So, who do you think it's for? What are the use cases that it actually satisfies? Wow. Okay, that's a big that's a big question because mm. I don't really have an answer. Like I see things that are like I identify myself with it, like like a through macOS native app. I mm -hmm. like it, right? That mm -hmm. that's me. But then I see yep. this thing about like local terminal versus remote terminal. It, mm -hmm. It's not me, not at all. Like I don't I don't need a remote terminal. What does that mean? I never even try it because I don't do that. I commit my code to GitHub and GitHub will deploy it through Bercel and that's that's the end of things. Like I don't need to remote into anything. Especially but, but not even, with a terminal. So, right. Well, right. So, so let me ask, okay, let me just ask that question just really quick. So, but even with a terminal and you want to remote into a server, you're going to do it in the same terminal, right? You, like what's, a terminal is a terminal. So what do they mean by remote? 
What does that mean? Uh, that 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 is a good question for both you and I because I I don't get it. Like to me, a terminal it's a terminal as I, as we were saying. It seems like there is some I want to say old school. Like I don't know if it's like. FTP and and my thoughts go to that because I know like they do transmit which is a lot mm-hmm. of like FTP and S3 and some of that big data transfer so I don't know if they were trying to bring some of that into it but that right. that they lose me on that now that is mm-hmm. kind of like as a general persona now if we're talking about javascript developers or typescript developers you're going to have like pain points because there's not good JSX support so some of the autocomplete and the IntelliSense it doesn't work. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The Tailwind work the first few things when I did the delight log, but then at some point it, it didn't really recognize it. So it is too early. So who's the persona right now? It's somebody that it is that knows panic, that knows that they will they will make it better and that they feel comfortable submitting feedback because it's an adventure and it's not like <laughs> um, it's it wasn't a bad adventure i was quite happy with it the reason why we have so many delights because it's like something new i haven't seen any code editor new that excited me since bs code and, and we're talking about mm. years now uh, mm-hmm. so it's good that somebody's pushing that line and i like that and i support that but there is still not like they don't like if I was them, I would create like a landing page and I would say, you know what, this couple of sprints, let's focus on TypeScript developers. Let's focus on Next.js. Let's focus on what's popular mm-hmm. out there and make it like just for them. And instead, they are kind of like being in this very generic thing where they support a bunch of different languages. But like you get like, it reminds me a little bit like the Pareto principle, the 80-20 where uh, mm-hmm. 20% of your uh, efforts should give you the 80% of the benefits, but that in a market that it is so consolidated like IDEs uh, right. and code editors, that it doesn't work because that 20% remaining at the end of it is is something that you will notice, if, especially if you want to use this as your primary code editor. So I still use it from like, I try to open it like once every two days and I try to make sure that that I'm catching more things. But it's hard for me to really say, oh, this is for me, because right now it's not. Yeah, right. Okay. I kind of had a similar feeling when I was playing with it last night. Again, I played with it for an hour. I tried to download or check out one of my Next.js apps and play with it, and I just, like, the vernacular was different. Hey, run a task and do this over here. And then it, it just a little disjointed for me. It's beautiful and it runs amazing. Kind of reminds me of like when VS Code first came out and everybody's like, wow, this, this, this editor runs so great. Now it's slow, but <laughs> so it, it runs really well, but I just, I, I didn't get it. It didn't. And then when you like click the, the button for, I don't know what they call it servers or remotes or whatever and it's like ftp and web dev and it's like oh okay this is like coda these are for people that are still uploading their files via ftp to like a php server or something or cgi scripts or something i don't know it 
that 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 was my impression is is it's still for people like that not for someone making a spa or a you know react app or a view app or whatever that that was definitely my impression in the one hour i played with it (laughs) yeah it's that generalism that really confuses you and me where like if you specialize on a modern technology like i saw there was Mm -hmm. i think it was an extension that supported swift why Mm. would you like like why would you go and do your Swift code? That that is an excellent question. It's yeah, just because you can do extension doesn't mean that you should do it, right? Just like yeah, right. Uh, it, it it is a matter of some of those principles. So if I was to be listened by the panic team on like on on like my overall experience, I would say this is a good attempt. This is a good app. This is something you're pushing the line and that really got me and I was happy with it. But you really need to specialize on particular developer profiles and how some of these modern things are. Because imagine if it will hook up with the Vercel API, for example, and you should be able to see when when it's deploying. Like I see more value today on that than to have an SFTP client built into my ID. <laughs> right. That's kind of a cool idea, actually. I I hadn't really thought of it from that angle, but having a purpose-built editor for specific use cases is interesting, like Next.js or whatever, some others. And, yeah. Hmm. And that is a perfect scenario for a third-party tool, right? You are Next.js. You know the this IDE supports everything that, that you do, and it's really nice, and people will like it. Well, you build your extension, and now you have your end-to-end, Next.js, Vercel, all integrated into this with Git. The Git client is fairly good. It's it's I don't have any complaints about it. And, and that might be something, some of the value proposition, but for that... Nova, you as a company have to talk to Bursell and say, okay, like who's your developer? What is what does she or he does in a daily basis? And mm-hmm. how can we help them to leave some of the current tools that they're using? A lot more effort to that to get to that 20%, but I think it will be worth it if they can capture some of that market or some of that specific market, I would say. Right. Yeah, makes sense. All right. Well, that was really interesting, Cesar. Thank you for doing that friction log. It'll be interesting to see where Nova goes. I, I love Panic. I love the stuff they make, and it's a beautiful app. So I hope it goes far. And hopefully, we find out who it's actually for. But yeah, thanks again, Cesar. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure thing. Well, that's all for today's episode of Friction Log. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app and visit our website frictionlog.com. Adios, amigos. <laughs>